ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. You know, just to get started, kind of reiterate message that I gave the team uh, a couple days ago. You know, this, this season is going to be remembered for, you know, for being a seven and nine season. I mean, and that's a, that's a stain that does not easily wash away. Um, we're disappointed, disappointed organizationally um, of where we're at. And all of that, all of it starts with me. Um, it's when, when we don't succeed and when we don't meet expectations, that directly falls on my shoulders. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to blame. Um, it's our job. It's our job to fix it. My job to make sure that we're holding the right people accountable, including myself, in areas that I've fallen short, and that we get the thing moving again in the right direction. Hi, Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back. It's another episode of 1% Better. You heard there right at the top, Chris Ballard setting the tone for his press conference uh, last Thursday. Colts general manager wrapping up the 2019 season, 7-9. Not good enough. So I think that was pretty clear. And I think all the fans out there would probably agree. But uh, there are a lot of, I think, elements to how they got there and and things about how they turned the page. And, and we covered that for 75 minutes with Chris Ballard last week, Zach. Um, <laughs> that probably one of the longest NFL press conferences I've ever been involved with. And that, that's a good thing. I mean, because that means we got answers or at least, you know, some semblance of answers in some cases. Uh, let's start with this. Tell me your two or three uh, biggest takeaways from last week. I, I feel like I feel like Chris Ballard didn't dodge any questions. There were some answers that were better than others, granted, but I don't feel like he dodged questions, and I feel like we we came away with, with context on a lot of things. Um, so it was it was a productive day for you. A couple of this takeaways. Is probably no surprise, what? but it starts with the most important position, and this is the question will be asked and answered every day of this offseason, right? What do they do at the quarterback spot? This is not sure. going to go away. Um, for me, it was him not – betting the house on Jacoby Brissett. He didn't, you know, in the Bears press conference a couple of days prior, Ryan Pace basically said Mitchell Trubisky is our starter, which was, you know, a little surprising and probably disappointing for a lot of Bears fans. Chris Ballard, no matter what you've read out there, did not do that. He did not guarantee anything moving forward. He said that he likes Jacoby Brissett. He said he liked a lot of things he did. He also said there's a lot of things that that quarterback needs to get better at. And this is the direct quote, and this is what jumped out at me. You don't get this very often um, from an NFL GM, but this is about as honest as you're going to get. Um, he said, look, we have to be able to throw to win in this league. I think we all know that. I think the jury is still out. And by that, he means on Jacoby Brissett as the Colts answer at quarterback. That's why we did the short-term deal with Jacoby. One, to give us some security that we had a player we knew we liked and we could go forward with, but also to give us some time to figure this out. This is that that quote is the entire offseason for the Indianapolis Colts right now. They bought themselves two years of time. I think it was a right move. They were in almost an unprecedented situation, right? The quarterback walks away 15 days before the season opener, and, and you've got to have a quarterback in there. So they paid Jacoby 
a lot of money to basically give themselves time. They don't need to make a move in this offseason. I would think that they do. They don't need to make a move. That's what the contract does. It gives them time. But the other thing I would point out that was really telling to me is everyone wants a quarterback tomorrow, right? They want the Colts to sign someone tomorrow or draft someone tomorrow, and and they want their quarterback now. Ballard said, look, you cannot rush this. Colts fans should know this by watching the AFC South the last decade. Late in Manning's career, they saw teams like the Titans and the Texans and the Jacks overdraft quarterbacks mm. routinely. And like Ballard said, that sets your organization back four to five years. This guy might get one shot at this. Let's be honest. He might get one shot to draft the next franchise quarterback for this team or acquire the next franchise quarterback for this team. He knows that he cannot screw it up. And he was really honest about that. So um, the evaluation for them doesn't necessarily change. They always have evaluated quarterbacks. The emphasis does, no doubt about it this year. Those were my takeaways. Um, He was pretty honest and forthcoming about how he sees this quarterback situation shaping up over the coming months. That's a very good summary. And, you know, I think the the takeaway for me there, in addition to all of that you just said, I think I want to double down on one thing, which is that uh, they understand the need. I think Chris Ballard, I think we know him well enough, and, and I'm not suggesting that you can't, as a listener, decipher these things, but I'm just giving you our expertise. I don't like that word, but fine, I'll, I'll use it here. Um because, you know, that implies that I'm an expert in what the hell do I know. But the point is, uh, I, I think we have a little bit of expertise on this. We know the guy. Uh, we know the organization. And yeah. and I think we know how to interpret Chris Ballard, right? It, just like Frank Reich when he's up there. It's like, I hear what he's saying, but I know what he really means sometimes. And those are not the same. And so with yeah. Chris Ballard, I think he's a pretty straight shooter. So it's a little easier to interpret. But, but him, I think being... Critical is the wrong word, but I think honest, being pretty honest and transparent about his evaluation, I think that right there tells you all you need to know because he's a guy that, that frankly, doesn't settle. He doesn't settle. That's just not in his nature. And you're not going to see him do that now. Uh, He might not necessarily tell you or leave you with the impression that I'm going to get up there and, and go get the number one pick. I mean, I don't know that he would ever do that, but my point is... We know the competitor that he is. We know uh, that he has – he's demanding. We know he has expectations. So if he says it's not good enough – Sit in the press box. Then – oh, my goodness, right? I mean, on road games, I think we've told you guys this before. On road games, generally uh, or oftentimes, the, the opposing general manager doesn't have a, a private box. They sit in the press box with us. And we get the full Chris Ballard experience, buddy. Let me tell you. You think you guys out there, like, I'm, you know, let's say you're watching on the couch and you're throwing the remote if they give up a big play and you're getting, I mean, it's not much different. No, it isn't. I mean, you you are not, trust me, you are not more invested in the outcome of these games than Chris Ballard. So, anyway, right. that can never be the case until you become a member of the team or the general manager. So, but anyhow, that being said, uh, to stay on the subject, I, I just think that when he says these things, I know what he means by that. And what he means is, we got to be better, and I expect more. Yeah, and and that's how he is. That's how he was as a player. That's how he was as a coach when he was an assistant coach in college, which he was for some time, and that's how he's been as an executive. So, you know, that's that's the guy you're dealing with there, and I, I think I want you to understand 
the reality of the person who's saying these things and and the the makeup of the person who is making these statements because i think that gives you some sense of of what it means when he says these things right so but it also doesn't mean as you said zach that they're going to go out tomorrow and move heaven and earth and get a quarterback just to get a quarterback they're not going to do that and, right. and i think that right. is that is the hardest thing as a as an exec- executive in the nfl or in any sport really is to to understand the need and to want to win and to want to conquer everything, but at the same time, be be diligent and deliberate and and don't make rash moves. I mean, what is that balance? It's hard. It's really hard. Right. Right. I would ask. I would. This is a selfless plug, but I would ask readers to to read the story that I have posted this morning. There is a quote at the very bottom from George Young. He was the old Giants general manager in the 80s when they had Parcells coaching the team. They won a couple of Super Bowls. And Chris Ballard really, really likes this quote. And I would just ask you to read that quote if you want to know how this guy thinks. This quote, he loves this quote, and it's going to explain how the next few months are going to play out. I'm not saying he's not going to be aggressive, um, but he's, he's thought long and hard about this. And I think, and I want your opinion on this as well, You've covered a million NFL press conferences, whether it's star quarterbacks or GMs or owners or coaches. You can tell when a guy is up there and they're BSing you. We yeah. dealt with that for years with the previous coach. Chris is up there and he's pretty off the cuff. Now, he doesn't tell you everything. He doesn't tell you, I'm going to trade the three pick for the six picks and drive Quentin Nelson and all that. But you can tell when a guy's being real. You can just tell. We do this enough. We talk to enough guys, whether we're in the locker room and we're talking to a player and we can tell whether he's just being BSing us and has given us player speaker, coach speaker, whatever. Or we can tell if they're pretty much shooting for the hip and calling it like it is. And Ballard sat up there on on Thursday and answered 75 questions over an hour. And, you know, he didn't have notes. He doesn't read from prepared statements. He basically just gets up there and tells you how he sees it. He doesn't tell you everything. But it's probably as forthcoming and as emotional as you're going to get from that person in that position. Um, And I think the fans who watched that press conference, and I know and I heard from a lot of them, they said, look, we didn't like everything this guy did this year, but at least he sits up there and he owns it and he tells you what he thinks. You don't have to agree with what we write. You don't have to agree with the moves the team makes, but at least we can give you insight into why they made those moves. And he's up there. And he's explaining that in probably more detail than a lot of GMs. No question about it. I agree with all of that. And <laughs> I think with, with Chris Ballard, uh, you know, he is he, – he's the opposite of, of what you expect in these settings. You know, you talked about, you know, being off the cuff and, and honest. And generally what you get is someone who tells you what you, what you want to hear and, and tells you what they think is the right thing to say because – this is politics now, okay? A lot of this is politics right. in these settings because you're trying to to keep the fans at bay. You're trying to keep your owner happy. You're trying to make yourself look good in many cases. I mean, look, you know, we all we're all worried about you know how we're perceived. I can promise you, the rivalry is back on. <laughs> is not the right thing to no, say. No, exactly, but, exactly. You know, it's, like, it's just no, not the right thing to say. Don't do that. You haven't beat the Patriots in ten years, right? Like what? What's the PR guy saying, right? When when the general manager says that, right? I mean, he's cringing, right. but the fans are like, "Bring it on!" You know, even though you know the rivalry's not back on, but that's not the point. <laughs> I love that he said it anyway. So, so I just think, yeah, I don't, I don't know if this is helpful at all. I just think it's, I just think it's, it's, 
you know, potentially important for you to understand the context here. You heard what he said, but we're giving you the rest of the story. I think some of the rest of the story. I hope that's helpful. So um, anyway, digging into some of the additional details. Um, let, all right. You your story today, as you said, kind of laid out the offseason a little bit and and some of the right. some of the things that we can kind of expect and, and what may or may not happen uh, as it relates to quarterback. Let's talk about that just briefly because we're going to continue to talk about this, but let's just set it up. I, I have some thoughts on how this is going to go. There are some free agents out there, as we all know. There's some guys in the draft. Uh, I've looked at the free agent class. You've looked at the free agent class. Uh, yeah. My thought is, and I'll give you your chance, my thought is pass. <laughs> no. Nope. What's your thought? Nope. 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 Yeah. I, I laid this out in the story, and, and let's – okay, let's get into the details. Let's, like – actually look at this objectively so as you've written and as i've written jacoby Brissett's going to get a seven million dollar bonus on march 7th i think march which, which is already guaranteed by the way so they can't even get out of it you're gonna pay him for the very least for insurance right just to have a guy you know whether he's the a really really good backup or an average starter he's there that, that puts him on your roster for 2020 and you like that he's not going anywhere they made that clear last week Frank said he couldn't wait to get back in the film room and start digging through the tape with Jacoby. Any option in free agency is going to be unbelievably expensive. And yeah, I'm talking about the big guys. I'm talking about if at all possible this happens, Tom Brady, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, they're going to ask for 2025 a year. They're going to, it's going to be a huge short-term deal, right? With no guarantee of a second year because you don't know if these guys can hold up at their age. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to have just Kobe on the roster with one of these guys. Um, that's that's an enormous amount of cash they're going to be spending to a quarterback room. Um, that's you know it's not going to be one of the best quarterback rooms. It's just not going to be elite because you're not going to be you know these guys are past their prime. And also Brissett, I just I, the logistics of it don't add up to me from the free agent perspective. Let alone the fact that there would be a totally out of character move. For Chris Ballard, this is not how he wants to build his team. Like I said a minute ago, this guy's probably got one chance to fix this position. He's not in a win-now mode. Ursay doesn't want him winning the Super Bowl next year as opposed to two or three years. You know, they're building for the long haul. And I don't think that's – I don't even think this is realistic conversation right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I think the final point you made there is is the biggest one, which is they are building for the long haul. And, and I think – Listen, if you bring in a free agent quarterback, an aging free agent quarterback, okay, I'm going to throw one out there. It's it's a stupid, and I'm, I shouldn't do this, but it's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Okay, Tom Brady, as we're sitting here, has posted on social media uh, basically a long screed saying that he has more to prove. Not true. He doesn't have more to prove, but fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's proven more than any player ever. I need to win like six more Super Bowls. Okay. But anyway, be that as it may, he says he has more to prove. His point is he's going to play again or wants to play again. Uh, look. All right. Let's 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 throw this out there just for just for shits and giggles. Tom Brady. Colt signed Tom Brady. Never going to happen. But uh, I don't see Giselle hanging out in Zionsville. Uh, not really – her style, but uh, <laughs> I think the, I think he's going to California. If anything, point is, if he let's say they sign a guy like Tom Brady, now do they win more games? Probably, I think. 
just because obviously you're going to get he's I, well you're you're going to have he's fewer a step mistakes from, from from the quarterback position. I yeah. think you're you're he's his, your his skills are diminishing, there. but he's still a step up from Jacoby. Step up, he is, but there's definitely a ceiling. It's a hard ceiling because he's a diminished player. Uh, but here's the thing: the the bigger the bigger issue is this. It's not the short term. The bigger issue is the long term. So in a year or two years, maybe when Tom Brady's really done. And he's only going to get worse, not better. So when he's really done in a year or two, or any any sort of free agent quarterback, veteran quarterback it might be, then where's your quarterback situation? Guess what? <laughs> it's at square one. And so, I yeah. mean, granted, you could draft someone, I suppose, in the interim, and you could continue grooming that person. But I don't really think that's – I think you'd rather start that clock now rather than – put it off i mean i don't really see the point in that i mean if you're trying to develop something then develop you know i don't really see where that gets you they're not one player away from the super bowl yes they're not yes they're not looking for a band-aid approach they're not the broncos in 2015 where they've got this great defense that can carry you to a super bowl they're just not there i think they're a good team i think they're on the rise i think they need to figure this quarterback thing out and until they do they're not talking deep playoff runs they're just not that's just too big of a hole right now. And I think you need a long-term approach to that. And I don't think Brady or Manning or Rivers is your answer. I just don't see it. It would be so out of character for Chris Ballard to roll the dice like this. It would be so uh, going against everything he has stated he believes in. And then he is backed up with constant moves uh, of that sort. Yeah. So, uh, again, I think, they're a, I think they're a playoff contender, but they're not – one player away from being a Super Bowl contender. So I, that's just the way I see it. And and I bet they probably see it the same way. In fact, we know that yeah. we, we know they do because what does Chris Ballard say infamously or famously, I should say, all the time? <laughs> he says, you're never one player away. That's what right. he says. He says, you're never one player away. And so, you know, I think that I, I just agree with that. And I think that is something that he op- – that's a principle that he operates under all the time. So – uh, now we got the draft coming. Uh, senior bowls coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, for example, there'll be a couple players there. Jordan Love uh, among them. Uh, we've got other guys who are, are in the mix. Uh, Jacob Eason and other guys like that. Now the draft is is a crapshoot too, to some extent. And you know you can you can draft a guy, but is he the right guy? And so I think this is going to be interesting though, uh, because the Colts have a couple things going for them. Uh, they have. I think a really strong scouting department and I think their draft results bear that out. So if I trust anybody to make a good pick, I trust the Colts. And then I also trust Frank Reich and his, his eye uh, for, for quarterbacks and and offensive players in general. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. I think they have, because that hasn't been mentioned enough lately. That hasn't been mentioned enough. Yeah. So, but the hard part when it comes to, to quarterback is, as I said, it's about getting the right guy. And uh, sometimes it's not about where you draft him. I mean, I know we will, there will be a lot of fans consumed with, you know, which quarterback at the top of the draft they can get. And and I get that. I mean, that's where the majority right. of your, your all pro quarterbacks come from and that kind of thing. I understand that. Uh, but at the same time, I think finding the right guy and understanding the fit and things of that nature, that's as much as that's that's as important as anything. I mean, this is a tried and true example, but it's true. Uh, Lamar Jackson was certainly not one of the first quarterbacks taken. Now, he is 
a different ball of wax, right? And that offense they run is, right. is like nothing else in the NFL. But they had foresight there, and they saw, well, you know what? There's something there we can develop. And I think that's what it's going to take. It's going to take uh, the Colts, I think, having an eye like that and getting the right guy versus the guy at the right spot. And I don't think it's about that. It really right. isn't. And there's, there's hope. Look, I'm looking at all four games this coming weekend, right? Divisional round games. None of these quarterbacks that are leading these teams were drafted in the top five. I don't think none of them were drafted in the top ten. Hmm. I mean, Jimmy G was a second-round pick. Ryan Tannehill was a first-round pick, but he was like 17th overall. We just talked about Lamar Jackson. He was not a top ten pick. Deshaun Watson was uh, 12 or so. Patrick Mahomes was was 10. Russell Wilson was a third-rounder. Aaron Rodgers famously fell to pick number 24. So the Colts are picking 13th. So just because they're not in the top five does not mean they cannot find a franchise quarterback. I think everybody knows that. And the other thing at play is there's a lot of teams at the top that aren't going to be thinking quarterback because they've been so bad for so long. They've had their chance to take a great young quarterback the last couple of years. By my count, I've got five, four teams ahead of them that are pretty much, well, we'll see. You got Cincinnati. They're going to take Joe Burrow at one. You got Miami at five. They're thinking quarterback. The Chargers are at six. They probably are thinking quarterback. Then you've got Carolina at seven. And that's really up in the air because I think Cam Newton could come back. We'll see how things play out. They hired a coach yesterday. But then beyond that, the Colts are really the fifth team to be choosing in this draft that has a obvious need at quarterback. So as deep as this draft is at that position, you got Justin Herbert, you got Tua, you got Burrow, you got Jake Fromm, Jacob Easton. Uh, Eason, and you've got Jordan Love, who's probably not a first-round pick, but but could climb in the coming months. There's going to be options there. That's where the scouting department, like you mentioned, comes into play because they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, I actually I don't think it's a terrible landscape for them. I mean, it's really more about how they see these guys because the truth of the matter is we don't know a damn thing about any of these guys. Okay, we really don't. Right. And right. and I think a lot of times, you know, look at last year, J- Daniel Jones gets picked what was he fifth or sixth overall i mean certainly no one envisioned that but the giants had foresight and they saw him as fitting their system and and the things that they want to do saw him as a guy they could develop we'll see if they're right i mean he he showed some traits but i i think it's really going to be about not whether they can find a guy but whether they like what they have to choose from really that's really the big issue because I know we talked a lot at the end of the season about like, oh, they're winning games at the end. They're going to mess up the draft pick. Since they're out of the playoffs, they should just lose out, right? And and the thinking there was, oh, they'll, they'll finish with a top 10 pick. They'll be good to go. I think the question – I think there's enough quarterbacks here in this conversation that the issue isn't can we yeah. find one, can we get one. It's not can. It's whether you want the guy who's available. So I think that's really going to be the question. And, and if it's not, you don't pick them. If if your guys if you're if if the guys who are available when you pick are not your guy, do not do it, and they won't. I it doesn't matter if you if, if if you're picking eighth and you're picking twelfth. If you pick the eighth spot and you pick a bust, it, it doesn't matter that you had those four extra spots. Right. The scouting matters. That's what matters, and that's what the next few months are about. And they've done this before. And this was an interesting point that Chris Ballard made on Thursday. That look, we've we've scouted quarterbacks for years. Just because we had Andrew Luck didn't mean we didn't shut down the position. Right. And this was an interesting point I made in that story last week is that this this guy went and saw Patrick Mahomes play when he was at Texas Tech, 
And the buzz around Mahomes was not what it became in Kansas City. That's right. Ballard was like was on him. He liked him. Um and he knows the quarterback's position well. And he's talked to the quarterbacks a lot. He spent a lot of time with Andrew Luck, spent a lot of time with Jacoby Brissett this last season. This, I mean, this is the decision that could define his tenure. Let's be honest, that's how important the quarterback spot is. Like you said, they're not going to rush it. You can get a good quarterback in the first three rounds. Let's be honest. The NFL playoffs prove that. Uh, it's more about finding the right guy. And I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to jump. I don't think they're going to panic in a way that a lot of teams do up there. They move up just to get their quarterback, just to appease their fan base, just to sleep better at night thinking that they have the guy. Like Ballard always says, then the guy's got to go play. So that's where it's going to play out. So it'll be really fascinating over the next couple of months what they say. But believe me, they're looking long and hard at every last one of these top quarterbacks. Yeah, and just one last thing excuse me, I would add here is if, you, if you're overly aggressive on the quarterback situation and you go get a guy that, that you're not completely sold on, well, you've actually made yourself a target because now there's pressure to play him. And then when you play him, right. if he sucks, <laughs> that reflects on you. <laughs> and so yeah. it really doesn't It doesn't help reflect you. on him. It reflects on you. Right. It doesn't really help you necessarily, right? I mean, yeah, it's going to reflect on the kid and and he's going to be, you know, you'll have to you know, resolve that situation. But at the same time, it absolutely reflects on the organization and the people who made the decision. So, so really, you're only delaying <laughs> the judgment. If you if you pick the wrong guy, you're not necessarily putting yourself in a better situation. Like, hey, I tried. I got a quarterback. It's not my fault. He sucks. No, it is your fault because you picked him. So it's always mm-hmm. going to be your fault. So you better get it right. And that's why you can't panic, as, as they said. So uh, I, I think, look, there's nothing wrong with getting a stud defensive tackle at number 13. There's nothing wrong with getting a monster wide receiver at number 13. I'm I'm thinking receiver. Just if you, I mean, you know, gun to my head, January 8th, I'm thinking go get a stud receiver. There's some really, really intriguing talent there. And that's a great segue because I, I want to talk about wide receiver. And it's, it's a story I wrote about this week. I think of all their needs, there's probably two or three that really stand out. I mean, we've talked about quarterback. Uh, I think defensive line slash defensive tackle probably is is a sneaky need that has I think mm-hmm. become clearer after talking to Chris Ballard and and the emphasis he put on that but the other thing is wide receiver and it's the spot for me that they have not really invested much in they did draft Paris Campbell last year and and that's a significant investment in the second round but look at how the Colts have gone about this since Chris Ballard has taken over uh, they went uh, they doubled up at corner in his first draft, a second rounder, fifth rounder. Uh, they've acquired other corners as well. Rocky Asin, obviously, second rounder last year. They have at offensive line, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, back-to-back, first round, second round. Boom. Changes the entire complexion of the unit. And so linebacker is another one. Darius Leonard, Bobby Okiriki, even Anthony Walker to, to a lesser extent, 2017. Yeah, they've invested heavily at that position. And so the investments are paying off. Corner is still fluid. they got work to do there. But my point is, generally, when you do that, the investments pay off. And if you get the right guys. Wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, wide receiver, they've not done that. All right, they've got Reese Fountain in the fifth round, Deion Cade in the sixth round. Those are not investments. Okay, well, they are. They're resources, but they're not the same level of investment. They got to do it at wide receiver. T.Y. Hilton is 30 years old, people. 30 years old. 
And he's a, he's a guy who relies a lot on speed. I hate to say it, but you got to start thinking about the day when T.Y. Hilton is not T.Y. Hilton. You got you got to start thinking about that right now. And I hate to say it. Like, it, it pains you, me to I mean, say it. No, it's what it is. And and another point, you know, as an aside, look, Anthony Casanzo. We don't know what's going to happen with that. Oh, yeah. Whether he comes back or not. Let's say he comes back. That's great. You got a guy coming back that's seriously considered retirement. Yeah. No. It's, Does that mean it's he's going to play in twenty twenty one? No. You got to think long and hard about filling that left tackle spot as well. I mean, whether this year or next year, because it's gonna it's gonna happen. Uh, but going back to receiver. You know, look, Ballard was pretty honest about this. Do we need more explosive elements on offense? Yeah, we do. That's what he said. And and there was an interesting point you made about the draft history and how they've gone about it. Let me ask you this. Do you think they didn't invest heavily in the receiver position because they believed they had an elite quarterback and Andrew Luck could make just about any receiver look pretty good? That changes now, though. Yeah, it does change. I I wonder about that, and I think there could be some subconscious kind of uh, impact there, right? I, I believe that when you when you watch Andrew Luck play and you see him, you know, make those connections with those receivers, maybe it doesn't. I mean, feel he made Chester like, Rogers <laughs> look really good. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe it doesn't feel like as much of a need, you know. But I I will say though, I think they acknowledged that need last year though, because it was bad. Let, let's be honest, it was bad oh, last year. Yeah, and he I was think, kicking himself for that. And I think when yeah. you go out, I mean, 2018. You know, I, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. if you yeah, think I'm, about, you're talking about Ty Hilton playing on a bum ankle and Dontre yeah. Hillman and just about nobody else. I can't get week five, I think, in New England out of my head. And there was week four and five, I believe, which was New England and the Jets, if I recall. There was there were those. Uh, no, I'm sorry, that was I got my order wrong. But there was a series of about three games there, Houston in between, and I think they went and lost to the Jets the following week. But the point is, there was that sequence there. Where the receivers, I mean, it's it's maybe the worst stretch of receiver play I have ever seen in my entire career. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, that they night in the New drops. England, yep. all the drops yep. against the Jets, all those drops to the point they had to go sign Dontrell Inman off the couch, which is a desperate move. It worked out. It helped them. But it definitely was a move of desperation. So they saw and, that. And look, yeah. Yeah, and by the way, they they signed Devin Funches and they drafted Paris Campbell, so they've acknowledged the need, but they got to go further. I think. Yeah, that's a good point. What'd you get from from Devin Funches and Paris Campbell in 2019? Zip. Uh, well, unless you count those, yeah, you know, that's, 15 that's, catches for like 150 yards from Paris Campbell. It's really, really bad luck. I mean, it is. Paris Campbell played through four significant injuries. That's insane. Like an ankle, a hand, a spleen. I mean, a hamstring. I mean, that's as bad as you're going to get from a rookie. And Devin Funches was just terrible luck as well. He played three quarters, and um, he would have changed things. He would have absolutely changed things for this team down the stretch. I think it's very obvious they need to attack the receiver position. And look, I mean, if you go back to 17, excuse me, 2018 after the draft, what did Chris Ballard come out and say? The first thing he said after the draft was done, he said, I wanted to beef up our lines. That's what he did. He drafted a lot of offensive linemen, a couple of defensive linemen. After last year's draft, what did he say? I wanted to add young talent on defense, young, fast talent. That's what he did early and often in that draft. I think the only offensive player they picked in the first five rounds was Paris Campbell. This year, I think my prediction, and this is not a bold one, but I think by the end of the draft, he's going to come out and say, look, we needed some explosive elements on offense, and we went out and found some. Yep. Um, whether the quarterback's in there or not. This, this goes back to transparency, okay? I just want yeah. to interject one thing. Do If you recall that 2000. Uh, 2018 draft that night in the draft room, right? We're sitting there, you and I and others, 
And Chris Ballard comes in with Frank Reich to do his press conference. And he looks at us and he's like, guys, I told y'all what I was going to do. <laughs> and right. we're like, right. yeah, you did. <laughs> we're, Damn it. We didn't yep. listen. He drafted a bunch of linemen. He told us he was going to do that, right? So, anyhow. He loves that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he does. Um, so, we'll see. I mean, there's, there's look, there's not – that's not the only need of position yeah. on this team, but um, y- y- whether you've got a young quarterback or whether you've got Jacoby Brissett, hopefully healthy to start next season, um, they need more weapons, period. Whoever the quarterback and that's is. that falls on the shoulders of the scouts and the GM and the assistant GM and all them. Um, you saw what Jacoby Brissett was able to do with some pretty good weapons early in the season, a healthy TY and a lot of other guys around him. That wasn't the case late in the season. Um, if they're going to give Brissett a fair chance in 2020, you got to give him more weapons to throw at, and so we'll see if they do that. But I think it's I think it's totally on board if you can go get a receiver in round one. Let me ask you this real quick to put a bow on the wide receiver situation: uh, Do you consider re-signing Devin Funches? Yeah, I would. I would consider it. Um, me too. I predicted that it won't happen in my story earlier in the mm-hmm. week. Um, but I'm not ruling it out. It could happen. He's a big target. The the thing that I noticed, and, and I'm sure you saw this as well, is the guy was around. So he like doesn't come back from the from the collarbone. It's like early December. His season's over. He just stayed in India. I thought we'd seen the he last like, of him, and that happens a lot. Yeah, he was like yeah. walking around on the sideline during practice and like in the locker room, he and engaged. he was there on locker cleanout day. He's a he's a free agent, and and he's gonna have some suitors. He's a big target wide receiver, but um. I think the you know he came here to play with Andrew Luck. I think everyone knows that. I think it's definitely possible, and I think if if he wants something, I think he's he's an avenue you might go down. The problem is he's going to be pricey. He won't be, but he probably won't be as pricey. Is the one thing they may have yeah. going for them. I I don't know. I presume that just because he I'd didn't play, that. but but we'll see. I, I mean, they certainly. I certainly wouldn't spend ten million dollars, but. But we'll see. I mean, look, they have more information on Devin Funches than anyone else. So I think it's a consideration. And and I have I agree with you totally. I think he would have helped them this year. I'm not saying he would have been the difference between the playoffs and not making the playoffs, but but it I mean he would have definitely pushed them more in that direction. I think there there were some times they needed sort of a they needed that big body and I think they needed yeah. that that matchup guy that would have given Jacoby Brissett more confidence to put the ball in play at times because I think that's one of his biggest problems is sometimes I, I liked him in week one. Yeah. I liked what he did. I think it was a fourth and three. Yep. And that's pretty simple. It's just one on one matchup. You gotta win your matchup. And I think Funches did that. I, I think he would have made a big difference. Yeah, I mean so Jacoby's gotta throw the ball or have the confidence to throw the ball to a guy who's covered. And you gotta make you have to have two things going for you there. You have to have confidence that you can make the throw accurately and throw it away from the defender. And then you also have to have the confidence that the wide receiver can can position himself to make that catch. And I think both those things could be true or would have been true with Devin Funches, just based on what we saw in week one and what we saw in training camp, which wasn't a lot, but I think enough to to give you some indication. So, so we'll see. I think that's an interesting conversation that they should have, especially given what's available in free agency. It is bad. I mean, Bad, bad, bad. Other than Amari Cooper, yeah. who's going to cost you like eighteen million or something ridiculous. Yeah, and it's bad. I don't even think he's he's he kind of tailed off last year. At the end is of the he worth seventeen? We'll see million? if they let him out the door. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know if he is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he is. So uh, before we go on, I do want to touch on or before we wrap up. Excuse me, I want to touch on defense real quick because Ballard did talk a lot about that. I I mentioned that he 
that he really feels strongly about the need for a dominant defensive tackle. I don't think we saw that with Danico Watry this year. Dominant isn't a word I would use. I think good. Oh, I think he was making that very clear. Yeah. yeah. I think I think good, but not the three, dominant. The three technique drives this thing. Yeah. He said that multiple times. But the one thing that, that really stuck in his craw were the big plays that the defense let up on the back end. And mm-hmm. I don't know if my interpretation there is that he's going to do something about it in terms of uh, you know acquiring players, but he was very animated about that, and I, if if I was Pierre Desir and and guys like that, I think you're on notice. I think you're on notice yeah. there. Uh, yeah. What was Talk your takeaway from that? Did you get the same takeaway as I did? Oh yeah, and, he, and Ballard was very honest about this. I mean, this is a direct quote. He knew the number of explosive plays they allowed in the Houston game off the top of his head. Yeah. Five, five of them. That can't happen. Giving a, explosive plays get your ass beat. Um, direct look, quote. He's, he's being honest. He he, he said. If a team drives down the field in 10 plays, Dinkin and Duncan, that doesn't kill me. Giving up those huge plays, which got him beat in Houston, which got him beat in Tampa Bay, which got him beat 15 times over in New Orleans, and it got him rolled on the season finale in Jacksonville. That's what really, really ticks him off. It's what his defense is designed not to allow, and it's what they did really, really, really well for most of the season and especially late last year. Remember how much they shored up that defense last year? Going into Kansas City, Kansas City was the exact opposite. Uh, I thought Ibrahimovic was doing a really, really good job midseason this year. They were dealing with a lot of injuries, including Darius, and they were playing really good football. They weren't giving up the big play. That all fell apart at the end, and they need to address that. I didn't think the secondary was very good, and the line just did not get pressure. I mean, Justin Houston, was that was a nice story, 11 sacks for him. But Ballard's right. The interior pressure just was not there. I think that interior pressure it can't be overstated. They need more of it. And and again, uh, I mean, if you talk to the, the the guys who who really are the authors of this defensive style, you know, Rob Marinelli, for example. I mean, who I covered years ago with Tampa Bay. The one thing he always emphasized was his big men on the inside. You know, guys who who get after the quarterback, get in his face, and you know Andrew Luck even said this to us once. He said the pressure you really hate is is the a gap pressure, the the interior pressure, because you can feel that as a quarterback. Yeah, it's in your face. I mean, if if a guy if a guy comes from the edge, you can step up, you can get away from that, you can feel it. There's nothing you can do when you get beat with interior pressure. It's right in your face, and you can't really sidestep it because you sidestep right into the edge rusher. So it, that's what you need. You got to I mean, think about the, the best versions of this defense. I mean, Tampa Bay comes to mind. Who was their three technique? I mean, it was Warren Sapp. Yeah, you know give I mean? me one so, of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go find one of those in the first round and, and see how things change. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, one of the more di- bigger disappointments of the year for me, Danico Autry. He was really good in camp, and I watched him a lot. And I was talking to people watching him as well. And, I mean, he was holding his own against Quentin every day. And I thought he was going to have a borderline Pro Bowl season. And he had three sacks in his first two games. And then he had one in his last 11. So yeah, um, that's a guy that needed to take a step forward. He took a step back. And that's one of those hidden things that really, really hurt this defense this year. Yeah, I think I would, I would say I don't feel like he played poorly. I just don't think he played nearly at the level anyone thought he was going to. And that hurts you, especially when a guy like Marcus Hunt became a non-factor as well. So they had two diminished versions of players who played well the year before. And that puts you in a tough spot. So, so we'll see. I think there will be changes there. Grover Stewart should keep growing. 
Uh, but he's more of a run stopper, so he didn't help him much against the pass. Right. So they got to get they got to get some guys going there. I, I think one guy in the mix there who isn't getting it done as well as Tyquan Smith, Ty- Tyquan Lewis, excuse me. And I, what is yeah. what is going on there? What is his future? That's a question. Absolutely. And I think non factor his first two seasons. And I think Chris Ballard was very clear about that. He's we're trying to figure out who he is, and that's not a compliment. Ball- this is a direct quote from Ballard. I need to see more. I had a long talk with Tycho on yesterday. You know, last year he missed it all at training camp and injuries, blah, blah, blah. But but bottom line, we need to see more. Yeah. that I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward for Quincy Wilson and Tyquan Lewis heading into training camp in 2020. You could get cut. You better bring it because um, we're tired of waiting on you to produce. I think it's that that's where they're at. Yep. They need to get better at both those spots. Yeah. So, anyway, that's uh... – it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, it'd be also, it would also help if they had Kenny Moore for 16 games. That that really hurt them at the end. But but definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah. they're going to raise the bar on defense. I, I think they have enough investments on that side that they expect more consistency. It's not about whether they're good. They were good at times. They just lacked complete consistency. There was a complete lack of consistency, I guess is what I'm saying. So anyhow, this offseason, long way to go. Boy, do we have a long way to go. But <laughs> I think we know – you know what the issues are. We wanted to lay out sort of the roadmap and, and what the, the highlights are and the mileposts and et cetera. Uh, we'll, we'll keep doing these podcasts. We'll, I guess right now our, our, our plan is to do them weekly, and we'll probably get more, I guess, Zach, more targeted into specific topics right. as opposed to being really broad like we've done here. But, you know, it's the beginning of the offseason, so – so we'll start broad, but uh, yeah, we'll you know we'll we'll drill down on some topics, some specific, more specific topics, and uh, and then also react to news as it comes. You know, there could be some of that. What does Anthony Costanzo do? Uh, are there any changes to the coaching staff? There, there could be. It's yeah. not off the table. So, yeah. So there yeah. will be news. Yeah. Um, I'll be heading down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl in a couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. Uh, so yeah, we got some stuff on tap for you. So stay tuned for that. Uh, also, as always. Uh, stay tuned to The Athletic. we got stories all this week. Zach's piece today on plotting out the offseason. Uh, I've got a piece coming on free agency and what the landscape is there. Something very interesting to watch. And then we got stuff on tap for next week that you'll not want to miss as well. So you're not a subscriber. Check us out. Theathletic.com slash 1% better. O-N-E. 1% better. Uh, that's a big discount for you, only for our listeners. And so... For those who are subscribers, we thank you, and we appreciate your business, and thanks for taking this ride with us. So, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thanks again for listening. This is 1% Better.